0: I feel extra fancy today. I got an iPad and the whole setup, and the AV team really hooked me up. There's also a running joke out there that the Hansons are usually long-winded. Well, it is 11:38 a.m. You guys might regret that later. <laughs> Another thing I want to point out: um, since starting our Ambassadors uh, Youth Program, um, it has been a little bit slow. Um, so the pastor and I have had a lot of one-on-one time, and it's always good to get to know your pastor. It's always good to get become friends with your pastor, but just realize that if you're friends with your pastor, he may ask you to give a sermon. So if anything goes wrong, it is his fault. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me just introduce myself real quick. For those who don't know, I see a lot of unfamiliar faces out there. I just want to welcome you guys here. My name is Matthew Hanson. I'm a second-year student at Oklahoma State University studying agriculture business. Um, So that is a real thing. Oh. My iPad is messing up. Got to love tech, right? Okay. So the sermon today I was a little uneasy about. Um. It's something that's weighed on my heart heavily for a long time. Um, But it really solidified when I saw the children's story. There we go. Children's story today talking about... I think I'm just going to go to the clicker. This thing's cutting out. Talking about Matthew and being a tax collector. And a lot of throughout my life, I've heard kind of the same message And it's not necessarily from anybody in particular, specifically when I was going to college. I'm trying to choose which university I'm going to. I'm applying to different places. And I heard this a lot. You need to go to an Adventist school so you can meet a wonderful Adventist girl and and get married. I got told that so many times I was tired of hearing it. I was also told that I needed to go to a Christian school so I can protect my faith. And I thought, well, those are two very good reasons to go to an Adventist university. But I got thinking, is that the sole purpose of going to church, going to an Adventist school, to protect ourselves from what might be out there? In fact, doesn't Jesus give us the example of going out into the world and preaching the gospel and spreading the good news? And so as I thought about this, I thought, will I be a better witness in a Christian environment or on a public campus? And so I decided to make my decision. I decided to pursue a degree in agriculture business at Oklahoma State University, a public campus and a college that is well-known for its parties. So, oops, got to turn this on. So I decided to go there. I've met a lot of new people. I've met a lot of people that other people would say, oh, you don't need to hang out with them. They're, they're crazy or they're weird or they just, you're not gonna fit in with those people. And I thought, well, aren't those the type of people I want to be around, to be a good witness to, to spread the good news of the gospel? And so to put a little bit of context to this, take a look back before Jesus came. Put yourselves in the shoes of someone during the first century, maybe a Jew, maybe a Samaritan, just somebody, but you have an advantage over all the other people. You know that Jesus is coming. You know that the Messiah is coming. And you know that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know that he is the prophesied Messiah. Now you have to make a guess, an inference. Who is this person, this so Messiah gonna hang out with? Is this person gonna go hang out with the poor or is she gonna go hang out in a palace somewhere? Is this person gonna go heal the leopards or be a great military leader to save the world? Well, being a person during this time, you may take the guess of, and I almost guarantee you that I would make the same guess too, that this person who's supposed to be so great would in fact hang out with a king, a priest, or be a great military leader. But in fact, Jesus Didn't do that. No, in fact, Jesus came down as an infant boy, wrapped in human flesh, lived as a human, and faced the same temptations as us, was a perfect person, had every excuse to live out his life in the wealth and riches of a palace. But yet Jesus did one thing that nobody expected. Jesus hung out with sinners, leopards, prostitutes, tax collectors, people who weren't even allowed in palaces or in a temple. That's who Jesus hung out with. And this is reiterated through his disciples. Jesus' disciples were not priests. Jesus' disciples were not kings. Jesus' disciples were not military leaders. They weren't elders. Jesus' disciples were fishermen. The Bible says in Matthew 4, Andrew, Peter, James, and John were all fishing when Jesus came out with them. Not just them. Nathaniel, Thomas, and Philip. John 21 describes them as fishing when Jesus came to visit them. These were ordinary people. These were nobody special, but Jesus went out to them. Jesus' his disciples were tax collectors. As we saw in the children's story today, Matthew was a tax collector. The Jews didn't like Matthew. The priests questioned this decision. Why would somebody of Jesus's stature go out and choose a tax collector of all people to be a follower of him. Jesus hung out with ordinary people. Jesus did not come to save the righteous. Jesus came to save the sinners, the broken and the brokenhearted. Jesus' disciples were zealots. See, I never knew this until I was researching this sermon, but Simon was known as a zealot. Simon was an anarchist. He was a political figure who led revolutions. And Jesus met Simon, redirected this energy, and then became an alliance with Jesus on his behalf. Jesus' disciples were a thief. Judas was known as a thief. John 12 identifies him as an embezzler. Now we all know what happened with Judas. Judas eventually betrays Jesus, but Jesus's actions and loving Judas led Judas to using the same pieces of silver that ultimately tried to, that sold Jesus out to be a burial site for the poor. All of these actions happen for a reason. There you go. So what about the other disciples? Well, the Bible isn't very clear on some of his other disciples, but specifically Paul, we all know the story of Paul, right? We know that Paul was a priest. He was a very educated man, but he persecuted Christians. And Jesus went out to this person. Jesus knew that Paul was broken and he was hurting. So Jesus went out and we all know the story and turned him around. You see, Paul had to go blind before he could see. So, with that being in mind, taking in mind that Jesus' disciples were ordinary people, they were fishermen, tax collectors, sinners of all people to be followers of Jesus, turned around to preach the message of the gospel. Now let's talk about a couple times when Jesus hung out with somebody who wasn't his disciple and was a sinner. Now, when I was trying to choose which examples to use, I had more examples than I knew what to do with. I mean, there is a list, and I'll get back to this later, but there are so many examples in the Bible where Jesus chose to go to a sinner's house versus go and hang out with a priest. Sometimes I wonder when I read these texts, was Jesus even considering it? Well, we know that Jesus went to the synagogues and and challenged the priest um, teaching, but when it came to actually saving people and talking to people, Jesus went to the sinners. Let's talk about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Luke 19, five through nine, which was our scripture reading today, highlights this. And it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now put yourselves in the shoes of Zacchaeus. You're a tax collector, you're a sinner. Now all of a sudden you've got somebody who's claiming to be the Messiah, the son of God, and he wants to come over to your house. Well, this is weird, right? This is weird. So he came down at that once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. If I was in that situation, I know for a fact that I think I would probably say the same exact thing. Well, why would Jesus go to be a guest of the sinner? Well, the cold hard fact is Jesus came to save the sinners. He came to save the brokenhearted and we as followers of Christ should follow this example, but it doesn't end there. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here I am now. I give half of my possessions to the poor and and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Guys, Jesus made an impact here by going to a sinner And offering himself to him and preaching the good news. Then Jesus says to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Guys, it doesn't matter if you're a sinner. It doesn't matter if you've been broken. We are all children of God. We are all children of God. I can get an amen for that, right? So it doesn't matter if they're educated. It doesn't matter if they've sinned or what has happened in their life. As tools of God, as children of God, as Christians, it is our responsibility to make sure that everybody hears this message. It shouldn't matter if we think that they're a weird person or maybe they smell a little bit. We should offer the same hand of grace that Jesus handed to these people. Continuing, we can talk about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Now, this was extremely impactful because the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. These people didn't get along. The Samaritans were practically forbidden to the Jewish people. You, Jews and Samaritans didn't hang out. But Jesus goes to the well, and it says, Now he had gone through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from a journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So it's a hot day. Jesus has been traveling, he is thirsty. So he goes to this well. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, now this should be really shocking. Jesus is a Jew, and now he is about to speak to a Samaritan woman. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Even she knew that she wasn't supposed to be talking to this person. But yet Jesus was still offering his hand because even though she was a Samaritan woman, she is still a child of God. Jesus answered her. And I always love it when Jesus answers because I know it's gonna be something profound and something great and something full of love. He says, if you knew the gift of God and he would ask for you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. Guys, we can get the living water from Jesus. It doesn't matter where we come from. She says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered again and get ready for this. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them, will become then a spring of water welling up from eternal life, the living water. Guys, in agriculture, we have a saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But as Christians, if we never lead the horse to water to begin with, how are they ever going to have the opportunity to drink? And this applies to our life when we go out in the world I love when Pastor TJ says, we shouldn't be just Seventh-day Adventists. We should be 7 day Adventists. I know from personal experience, there are times in my life where I go out six days a week and I will never mention my Christianity to anyone around me. But then I come to church on the seventh day and I'm a Christian. And it's comfortable to be like this. But is the walk of Christ comfortable? Is it supposed to be comfortable? Or are we supposed to be challenging ourselves? The Bible says the road is narrow. And few will find it. Few will find it. So as Christians, should we hide our Christianity or spread it out? It's well known that few will find it. But we have the chance to save those few as tools of God, as followers of Christ. Moving on and going to verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Now put yourselves in the shoes. And I'm not gonna read this part yet. Put yourselves in the shoes of this person. You see, the Samaritan woman recognizes that somebody great is supposed to come and that she thinks that she's going to recognize this person. But then Jesus says something monumental. Jesus declares, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. I like to put myself in that situation. What would I think if I was this Samaritan woman, and all of a sudden the Messiah says, I am he, I would be pretty shocked. I would be pretty shocked. And this is what was really interesting. When I'm putting this sermon together, I was skimming through this text, and the fir- when I first made the slide, it originally said the disciples questioned Jesus. But then I went back and I read it, and I realized, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. See, I was trying to corroborate a little bit of evidence there, but that was not, in fact, what happened. It says in verse 24, 27 Jesus then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? The disciples understood what Jesus was trying to do. The disciples understood that Jesus had talked to them, although they were sinners, although they were fishermen. And now the disciples are witnessing Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman and convincing her and saving her, extending grace, extending trust, extending faith. Guys, as Christians, we can do the same thing. We can follow Jesus's examples. We can go up to somebody who who we may have some sort of judgment against, and we can extend that grace, extend that trust, extend that faith. Guys, we can go into the world and we can extend what Jesus is extending to this Samaritan woman here. And from Jesus's perspective, and I really love this text. If we go further into John chapter four, it says, my food said Jesus. He says, my food. My food said Jesus is to the will of him who sent me and it's to finish his work do not, you have a saying, it is still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe of harvest. Guys, we know how crazy the world is. Aren't the fields ripe for harvest? Aren't there lots of people who are hurting? Aren't there lots of people who are sinning? Guys, we have a chance to go out there and preach the gospel and, and spread the good news. And I'm not advocating that everybody suddenly jump into evangelism because we all have different skills. But at the very least, let's not hide our Christianity. Let's not pretend like we're Seventh-day Adventists, and let's be excited to be seven, not Seventh-day Adventists, but 7 day Adventists. Let's live our Christianity and not be scared of going out into the world. Not be scared of going out into the world. But Matthew Doesn't the Bible warn us about being unequally yoked with non-believers? Well, in fact, it does, but the context is key here. See, a common verse that is brought up in this is 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 14 through 17. And I'm reading this verse, and at least in my Bible particularly, it says, the title is idolatry. Well, in this particular context, Jesus is talking about that. He's also talking about business partners, friendships, and relationships. Guys, there is a big difference between going out in the world and befriending somebody and ending up marrying them. I know it happens, but it's important to understand this. It is important to understand this. There is a difference between spreading the gospel and being yoked with unbelievers. In this context, yoked refers to marriage, relationships, and even business partners. So like I said, I have another list, and this is not the complete list, but these are all the examples where Jesus either talked about or hung out with sinners, or the broken, or the people who needed to hear his message. So just because we are in the world does not necessarily mean we have to be of the world. We all know the song, Be a Little Light, right? We can be a light in a world of darkness. We all know that light drives out darkness. So let's be that light. As Christians, let's go out and let's be light. And so let's take a look at some of Jesus's remarks here in Mark 16. It says, and he said to them, go out into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Jesus commands us. Jesus not only commands us, but he encourages us to not hide our Christianity, but to go out and be that light. Guys, Jesus had no servants and they called him a master. Jesus had no army, yet kings feared him. He had no degree, yet people called him a teacher. He never went to medical school, yet Jesus was a healer. He won no military battles, yet Jesus conquered the world. He wore no crown, yet Jesus called him a king. He was buried, yet he rose and lives today." Guys, Jesus didn't have all these titles that we have today, yet he accomplished so much. Don't be scared because you may not have a degree in theology. Don't be scared because you may feel like you're not enough. Guys, we are all sinners here. I'm a sinner. We are tools of the Lord. Just our example, just being a witness can have a profound effect on somebody's life just befriending somebody can plant a seed in their mind. And they may never come to church for two years, but when they do, that'll be an awesome day. That'll be an awesome day. So final thoughts, as Christians, church members and followers of Christ, should we be worried about who we invite to church? Should we be worried worried about who we consider a friend or who we talk to? Because I know certainly, and the Bible can back me up on this, Jesus was not worried about any of these things. All Jesus knew was that there was somebody who was a sinner. There was somebody who was broken. There was somebody who needed to hear the good news and Jesus gave them to that. Guys, Jesus was a miracle worker, And while we may not be able to work a miracle, we have the power to be a witness and we have a power to plant the seed. We have a power to be a tool of Christ. So as I close that today, and as we go through the week, think about this. Think about the people you're interacting with. Think about the next time you look at somebody and you think, well, they're kind of weird. I don't want to talk to them. And think about what if I was in that position? What if somebody thought that about me? What would I want them to do? So as we close, let's just think about that. Everybody bow your heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you can please be a reminder to us that we can use your example to go out and be a light within the world, to go out and not be afraid of expressing our Christianity, but to take it on and be a light in this world. Lord, we know this world is crazy. We know it's scary. But Lord, please be with us. Fill us with confidence and your love. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we can all have safe travels home after this service. And in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.